Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, welcome back to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I want to take a moment to share my gratitude with each and every one of you that tune in week after week dedicated to improving your health and your happiness. Your love and support mean the absolute world to me. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I want to welcome you with open arms. Thanks for being here and dedicating this next hour to your health and your well-being. This podcast is intended to support you in rethinking the way that you relate to yourself, your relationships, your life, and most importantly, offer guidance and tools to help you take the next step to creating a more positive, uplifting life. And to do that, we have to look at our inner thoughts. What thoughts are circulating around your mind all day? What types of conversations are you engaging in? What stories are you operating from? And I mean this literally. What is looping 24-7 in your life over and over and over again? Are your thoughts and your stories positive or negative? Do they bring a new quality to your life? Do they boost your energy or do they bring you down? What is the constant theme of what is happening in your mind? And for most of us, these thoughts, these feelings, these stories are often pretty negative. But here's the good news. It's not your fault that you operate from these thoughts and these beliefs, and these thoughts and these beliefs can be reconditioned. Most of your life, you've probably unconsciously learned internal messages before you got to decide whether or not you wanted to abide by these set of guidelines. But now, it's your choice whether or not you want to continue believing these messages. Studies have actually shown that human brains are wired to collect negative conditioning, more strongly as a survival technique. From an evolutionary standpoint, we have to remember how to stay alive. It's also a tendency in some social circles to use negativity as a way of bonding with other people. Bonding is its own reward. So we continue exercising the same behavior until it becomes ingrained in our mindset. Simply put, negativity is a habit. So how do we change the habit of negative thinking? Well, we start by directing some positive side plots that ultimately will reroute our life forward in a different direction. And if anyone is a master at this, it is my dear friend, Melissa Monte, mindset coach and host of the podcast, Mind Love and Speaker. After spending a decade being what she calls a guinea pig for bad decisions, her story is literally going to blow your mind. She became obsessed with learning what makes humans tick. Now she teaches people the tools that turned her life around that are easy and applicable to all. In this podcast, we discuss how to find your way back from even the darkest places, bringing yourself back into the light, back into the happiness, the health, the success that you are so worthy of. 
Seriously, friends, I cannot wait to have this conversation with Melissa, as I trust it is going to wake you up to what is possible in your life. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you about resilience and overcoming trauma, which is such an important conversation to have specifically today and what we're going through. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. I know that just hearing your story and you being on my podcast, I know we have a lot in common. Yes, we have a lot in common. And and what's so beautiful is I think the world works in these magical ways because you used to be friends with my husband. You guys went out a lot in the scene in LA for many years, five, six nights a week, as I did when I lived in Miami and New York. What was so beautiful was like, we synced back up, you and I, And then you were like, I know your husband. So it was like this really beautiful synchronistic experience. And since then, you've joined our community and you've been part of several events and really been part of the collaboration of bringing amazing humans together, inspiring humans, humans that are changing the world. And so it's been so amazing to get to know you and your story. And what's so interesting is like when I've been diving into your story just for this podcast, I think it's this dynamic where we, once we're kind of out of it, we don't like sit around talking about it. So it's so fascinating to me because we're like more in in an empowered state to like talk about what we're doing and how we're changing the world that it's really beautiful to witness and get to do these podcasts because then I learn these whole other elements of my friends that I didn't know. So I'm so excited to dive into your story because it has all these different parts There's the bulimia part and the abusive relationship and even taking a felony for someone else's crime. And I think when people hear the extent in which you have overcome in your life, they have this like awakening in themselves. Like I've seen it when you've talked and and now becoming a speaker, I've witnessed it. And so can you walk us through what parts you feel are like, it's so many stories to share, but just kind of walk us through like how you've overcome this part of your life where you were just like in this rabbit hole of abuse trauma, fear, frustration, unworthiness, and the steps in which I would love to hear the process in which you use to get out of this. Yeah. So it's interesting because growing up, I had a great life. I had never really suffered any loss or real big pain other than like, you know, my parents divorced, but it was so young that I didn't feel that or I didn't know what I felt from it. It was just my normal. But then when I was 15, I was raped. And what's interesting is I didn't realize until years later that I was raped that day. I knew I was raped later, but I didn't know this first one because it was not intercourse. It was everything else. And I was unconscious and there was a group of people around. And in that moment, I blamed myself for the whole thing. And that really changed the trajectory of my life because for me, up until then, I had only really known how to get my worth from the outside. You know, it was overachieving. It was what do I look like? It was what's normal for a woman to be and how can I conform to be that? And so then all of a sudden, when I felt this shameful thing, it changed high school for me. I remember my crush found out and said I was disgusting. I was going to church at that time and they basically called me unclean and took away my solos. And I started to see myself the way I thought everyone else saw me. Mm. And that changed a lot for me because first of all, it was when I began to numb my life. I lost my dad soon after that. I lost a friend to suicide. It was like the world was beating me up. Like I was stuck in this sick, twisted game that I couldn't get out of. And I just didn't want to play anymore. So I numbed it all out. And when I got to college, I was partying. I developed a very severe eating disorder to where there would be days that I would just be binging and purging 
all day long to where my throat would be sore and my eyes would be bloodshot. And, and I remember feeling like this has such a hold over me. How did this turn into this? It was like this point of power where I was like, well, I can control this. And, you know, in hindsight, that's what they say, but I didn't feel that was going on at the time. I was just like, oh, I might not be able to control how much I eat, but I can control how much I keep down. And then all of a sudden it was completely controlling me where I would be saying no to events or fun things or not letting people get too close to me because I was so afraid of them finding that out. And so it was just like losing so much control over my own life that I would just get swept into everybody else's life. I would make friends and what they liked is what I would like. I would be in a relationship and what he wanted to do, I would do, or I would make sure to completely normalize his situation, whatever it might be, to so that maybe that same grace would be reflected back on me somehow. And I ended up in this relationship with a guy. And at first it seemed so great. He was this wealthy guy and was charming and funny. And I was like, this is the whole package. He's got his shit together. So he can just sweep me into his life and I can forget about mine. And then this image of him just slowly started to unravel. And that's how it is with a lot of things where we think that we can't, we can look at somebody's situation and think, well, how did they get there? But it's a slow fall, I feel like. It was like one part of his image would shatter every few weeks or so until I was in this relationship where he was cheating on me and he was treating me terribly. And I, just kept making excuses for it because he had lost his dad. Like I lost mine. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to validate your pain so that you validate mine. And, and I did that for so long that I was just used to giving him everything. And then it turned out that he was secretly robbing houses and it was, he stole millions of dollars worth of stuff from over 50 homes that they could count. And he did it all in the same way, like the wet bandits from Home Alone, where they once they knew wow. it was him, they knew all the houses were him. He would clip the lock boxes with bolt cutters and just walk in with the key. And he drove a Benz and he would take the jewelry. But he also had a meth addiction that I didn't know about until later on. And so it was just this big spiral of confusion. And before I knew it, I was cushioning his rock bottom and going down with him. And so it came to the point where he could go to, because we were arrested together, I got arrested for receiving stolen property. I was in the car with him and we were pulled over. And I remember thinking like, maybe we're getting pulled over for speeding or a busted taillight or something. And then the cops asked us to get out of the vehicle and and they opened up the trunk slowly. And I saw just like dozens of lock boxes, a pair of bolt cutters and cases of stolen jewelry. So now I'm sitting in a jail cell with him. My mom at the time works at a church. My dad was a retired police officer currently volunteering at the department I was arrested at. And so I was humiliated. There's no way I was going to call them and ask for help. So I just sat in jail for eight days until I could get out on my own recognizance and just like adapted and made friends. And then it was the trial period. And because we were arrested together, I, if one of us fought the charges, we both had to go to court. And so I was faced with the option of fighting the charges and proving my innocence because I was actually out of town for a month trying to get freedom from him when most of this had even happened. And If I had gone to trial, though, it would guarantee that he got a minimum of 10 years in jail. And at that point, I was so used to giving him everything that I gave him my freedom to. And it was the worst decision of my life. But at the same time, it was inevitable at that point. It was the rock bottom that I needed where everything else, it was almost a rock bottom, but I had something to numb it. Or it was almost a rock bottom, but I could hide it. 
And this one, I couldn't numb, I couldn't hide, and it was now on my record. And I felt like I had ruined my life. And so it was like either find a way to press the reset button or find a way to slowly rebuild. And after that, it wasn't like some big enlightenment period. It was just little decisions <laughs> within the chaos that each were a tiny stepping stone on the way out. Oh my gosh. What a powerful story. I'm like, it's just mind blown because I hadn't heard the extent of it. So insane. And so what was the process of, as you think back and say, okay, that was the worst decision of my life. Where do you find the reconciliation and the compassion and the forgiveness in that? Because I feel like that could spiral someone downward even further from a place of shame, guilt, pain, anger, like specifically anger. I feel like holding on to that with anger could definitely continue the pattern of self-sabotage and manipulation and avoidance. And so I'm curious for you what that kind of looked like in terms of just rebuilding an empowered mindset around letting that part of your life go. Because now you talk about it eloquently and it's a blessing, right? I'm sure now it's looking back. Even your story about how for me, when I was in the hospital bed being told, you're going to die, I couldn't call my parents because my parents or holistic. And there was no way that I could say, Hey, I'm using food to abuse my body and I'm almost going to die from it. And so I'm just curious what that looked like from a compassion and forgiveness standpoint and just being able to move through that. Yeah. I remember this point being in that jail cell. And first of all, it's this feeling that I can't even really explain. It's like a magnetized version of, have you ever like gone out one night and got too drunk and lost your phone? And the next morning you're like, something really bad happened and I'm going to about to unravel it. <laughs> it's like that magnified by a hundred where it's that like, I just lost something big. I just lost my reputation. What's life going to be like for me now? Am I going to be like those people on TV that, you know, they're now forever stuck in the system getting minimum wage jobs? Like I had no idea. And I'm sitting in this jail cell with these feelings of having completely lost my life. And then the food is delivered and I'm starving, but then I'm also wondering where I'm going to throw up my food. And there was some moment of clarity where I was just like, holy, you need to do everything <laughs> differently than you're doing right now. Like, that's what you're worried about at this moment. Like, and I remember even trying to find a razor because they give you like a little razor blade in there. And I'm like, trying to shave my legs. Like who needs to do that? And, I, and so these things ended up being these points of pain that I later reflected on. And I had always been pretty good at just kind of trucking forward. And what happened when I finally got out of jail and when I started moving on with my life and realizing, okay, I'm not going to be going to jail. I'm just going to have a felony on my record. And what does this look like? What are my options now? And as I created more options for myself and, and kept taking another day forward and realizing this didn't kill me, it started to build this different belief in me where I'd always been worried about like ruining my life. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> the worst had happened. So it can only go up from here. So I moved to LA. And it's interesting because I remember thinking, well, there's no way I'm telling that crazy story on two lines of a job application. So suddenly that ended up being like a slingshot to entrepreneurship for me. And I started getting really interested in digital marketing. And that was actually what kind of sealed my friendship with your husband was that we ran into each other at a digital marketing conference in Austin. And it was it was like weird because all I had known him was partying. I didn't know he had a job outside of being a promoter. <laughs> and the first thing he said to me was, I didn't even know you had a job. <laughs> and I was like, same. 
gym, dude. Same. <laughs> so, um, so I was just making these little decisions. Meanwhile, I was still very bulimic. I still was really hard on my body and I still was validating myself from the outside in. But I knew the power in one decision at a time. And so feeling empowered with learning a little bit more that there's an opportunity for my work that isn't the standard path where I have to be approved by somebody. Then I remember doing yoga because I, I wanted to get more in touch with my body. I've always been an avid reader. But the thing is, is, you know, you can fill yourself with information, but it's not until you sit in stillness and start to apply it that it really makes a big change. But what I also learned is that I didn't know how to sit in stillness. So all I was doing was pushing in new information that was just the opposite of how I thought. I was reading things like The Mastery of Love and Ram Das and these spiritual teachers. And slowly but surely, it at least taught me that there was a different way to think. So when I did yoga teacher training, I was able to surround myself with people that thought the same way I did. And that was such a, an important step for me because all the learnings can be happening just with me, but I was so used to getting everything validated from everybody else that the moment somebody disagreed with it, it would cause me to doubt everything that I had learned. So when I started to surround myself with like-minded people, this changed. And so it was one step in, in front of the next where now there's people that are helping me through, people with a brighter perspective. And, and I just had to be okay that the process was going to be really slow. And the bulimia was the last thing I was willing to look at because there was so much fear with, okay, I want to heal so bad, but, and this sounds terrible now, but, but I'd rather stay sick than be fat was my viewpoint. I was just so afraid of this because I wouldn't feel like a real woman or I wouldn't feel worthy or, or whatever it was. And But then slowly with just learning my body and feeling more in control of my body and being able to move my body in a way that I hadn't and not always just viewing it with disdain, that started to change too. And when I was able to find a little bit more peace and happiness in regular life, <laughs> it was when everything finally started evening out. And I felt like I was not just trying to climb out of the grave that I had dug myself, but I was able to build a foundation on top of the ground. Wow. I think it's so important for people to hear that you can read all the information. You can listen to the podcasts. You can read the books and have the books on your on your table next to your bed and like go to bed with this and wake up with this and do the workshops. And, and then if you go back to your world and you're surrounded by people that don't believe in this shift, you're going to be in a constant disconnect from all the things that you're studying and doing and attempting to believe in. And I think that that's where people forget the value of community and the value of people who are in alignment with these truths. And I see so often, right, where people are like, well, none of the content's working. Like none of this is working. I just keep reading and reading, but my life isn't changing. And I'm like, but what is the reflection of everyone in your life that isn't allowing you to, or believing in you to upgrade to this new person that you're in desire of? And I love the point that you made about the stillness. And I'm curious for you, what has continued as a practice or has been a foundation for building that foundation that you've been creating in the sense of meditation, mindfulness, mindfulness practices, what are you teaching in your coaching programs that have really created that shift for you? Because I'm in like full agreement with everything you said, like until we actually go in and, and address the internal process, it's just consuming more without actually creating those new neuropathways to believe that it actually is applicable to us. Yeah. So 
I used to be so obsessed with finding truth my whole life. It was like I would learn something from one religion, I'd learn something from the next, and then this spiritual way of life. And I was always trying to find just the one thing they had in common. And there's still a big part of me that seeks that, like the moment it hits where I'm like, oh, I've heard this in several schools of thought. I want to hold on to that. At the same time, what I've also come to find is that things are different for each of us and not everything's going to resonate with each of us. And so what I found is so powerful for me is learning to open my mind to expand my possibilities. And so I was raised in a very close-minded way with religion and with just things that weren't even allowed to be looked at without it feeling like a sin. And I've now that I have freedom and I have awareness, I've found that it doesn't matter if a belief is even proven to be true or not. What matters most is that you can shift yourself to the idea that what if this was true? What if this was true just for today? And how does that feel? And so pretend that past lives are definitely true and you 100% believe it and it's been proven. What can I take from that? Pretend that karma is definitely real. What can I take from that? And what I found is that with sitting with each of those and figuring out what I can learn from a hundred different perspectives, a hundred different theories, a hundred different religions, I've been able to find the truth that feels the best for me. And so I sit there and I, f- I figure out what I can learn from it. And it might be something that I hold through that I keep coming back to. It might be something that just helped me to the next step that one day. And so what I'm always challenging people to do is look back at a past moment and ask yourself, because you've created a story about around that moment. And that story might be the same for somebody else. It might be completely different for somebody else. But ask yourself, what if that past thing that I'm ashamed of or that I regret is the absolute best thing to happen to me? Why would that have been? What if it was the best thing to happen for everyone involved? Why would that have been? And what if that was the best thing to happen for the planet? Different mindset tricks like this just to get you to see it from another perspective. Or you're mad at somebody and you're, and, or somebody like cuts you off and you ask yourself, what if somebody came down, a little angel came down and said, I want you to know that that person's right in this situation. Play with that thought and figure out why. You know, just giving people the benefit of the doubt because so much of our own happiness comes with from our ability to be flexible in our mindsets and to shift from new perspectives. And you can have your closed-minded one way of being things, but realize that that's going to limit you. A belief is neither right or wrong. It's empowering or limiting. And if you go by that, then you can do an audit of all of your beliefs about your real stories in life, about how you approach the world now, and then ask yourself, is this empowering or is it limiting? And if it's limiting, how can you expand your mindset a little bit or shift the way you're thinking about it to shift it to empowerment? Yes. And I think so often based on our programming and the stories we hold and our projections, we're making so many assumptions, right? And I heard that in the thread of that is like, we're making these assumptions around what is true or what isn't true before we even know the actual facts behind things. And so it's, it's really empowering to just sit with it and say, well, what if this is true or what if this isn't true? And then to question the truth or false around an experience before we just jump to the conclusion right now, more than ever, I'm seeing this divide on social media where so many people are just jumping into an assumption before they even fact check, like, who is it from? (laughs) Who wrote it? Like, and it's based on our own wounding patterns 
of millions and millions of imprints in our subconscious mind that make us jump to the assumption that that person is right or wrong or on the right side of things, the left side of things, politically this, politically that. And it it doesn't serve us in a way that brings out our best because it keeps us stuck in the assumption without offering any grace on the other side of it. So I absolutely love that. I'm curious for your daily coaching, like you go, you send out this email that's really empowering and uplifts people. What is the theme that you feel people need the most? Like what resonates with people the most? Because I'm always curious, like what is it that, that people are really struggling right now, specifically with where we are in the world, what we're being confronted with, what seems to be resonating right now with, with people and, and creating mindset shifts around that topic? Right now, what I found that I get the most responses from or people sharing on Instagram is when it has something to do with love and acceptance and learning to view this as like, what do you need to tell yourself to feel a little bit more love and acceptance in this present moment rather than fear and uncertainty out there? That's not to say that the fear isn't bad, but what are you doing with that fear? Are you sitting there and spreading it? Are you letting it debilitate you? Are you letting it limit what you believe to be possible for the future? Or are you turning that into something productive? Like one thing that I've found, I was speaking to a couple of different people that replied to me and they felt ashamed for feeling fear because they're in this spiritual community. And because so many of us are sharing like everything happens for a reason, or maybe your soul asked for this or whatever. And yes, that's good. But at the same time, what I've found resonates with my listeners the most is meeting them where they are first, making them feel okay for their current feelings. And then expanding on how to get to this new way of thought and what the benefits are. Not that you should be thinking this if you want to be enlightened or if you were evolved enough, this wouldn't be bothering you. I think that gets people a lot, especially if they're a little bit further on in their journeys because they feel like they're now failing at their own spirituality when really it's it's okay to feel these things. That's your humanness. Now, what's in it for you and how are you going to use that? And so I like to give people some inspiration and, and also balance out some of the negative news news with positive news? Like what's good happening? Is it a funny way that a nursing home is playing Hungry Hungry Hippos <laughs> with, yeah. with their I wheelchairs? Love that I love <laughs> that <laughs> Best thing on the internet. <laughs> or, um, or is it that somehow Richard Branson is making masks that can be mass produced? Like all those things, I just add a little link at the bottom as well, just to help people. Because I think that this is a really good time also. So many of us are living from that validation on the outside and And now there's no one to validate us out there, really. So Mm -hmm. you're in with yourself. How are you going to use this time to figure out who you really are after this? Hey there, friend. Are you loving this podcast? I want to continue to support you. So the simplest way to do this is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and pop into the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you never, ever miss any details of our new projects, products, upcoming events, or issues that are near or dear to my heart. You're also going to get access to the movement. This is the inner circle of people just like you standing in their power to bring more truth and a new level of consciousness where all individuals get to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So pop on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside.
And how have you cultivated that experience for you? Like, what are you doing on a daily basis? What are you doing to cultivate? And I'm, I'm sure you were doing a lot of this before, but most specifically the self-love piece, because I feel that we are in constant judgment of ourselves. And that's what I'm hearing a lot of. And I was hearing this way before we went into quarantine, just in the sense of, well, if I don't do everything in alignment with someone else's protocol or... I didn't move today or I didn't show up or I got angry at my kids. Then we go into this shame, blame, anger, fear, frustration, energy, which then manifests into the self-sabotaging of our behaviors around our body. And then we suppress it like we do with food. And so, and not that everyone's doing this. Some people are using alcohol and drugs and other things, but I think so often food is a huge coping mechanism because we use it. We eat, you know, multiple times a day. And so I'm just curious how self-love has showed up for you, you know, before this. And then if you're just continuing your practices into this time. Yeah. One of the biggest steps for self-love for me was understanding really what my values are and how to find those. I remember somebody giving me a values test, like discover your values. And there's this list of all these words. And honestly, they all sound great. Like who doesn't want honorable to be one of their values or like honesty? Like if I don't choose that, am I dishonest? (laughs) And so it was like almost a confusing process. But really trying to figure out an exercise that really helped me was was looking back at my past memories and listing out my favorite memories and listing out all of the feelings associated with each of those memories and which which things came up the most. And for me, it was freedom and excitement. And so freedom has always been a value of mine. And it was when I found that, I was like, oh, there is a way to live from my own truth. And it kind of unraveled all these other things. I remember looking back, I was so used to just kind of learning from other people or absorbing what what I thought was right and wrong, trying to mirror whatever this view of who I should be is. And I would have one friend, for example, who was really into fashion and talking about how, you know, dress for the job that you want or dress for the life that you want or your outward image is an expression of who you are inside and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that sounds like it makes sense. And so I started paying more attention to fashion. And then I got this other friend who was all about only ever adorning ourselves in organic cotton because it's more natural for our bodies. And I was like, well, that sounds good. And then I met a friend who was all against capitalism. And I'm all of a sudden, I'm like trying to be this person who only wears organic borrowed cotton and still looks really good. And it was just like, it's too much to live up to. And so what I had to do is start to realize that, yes, there are teachers all around me. There are so many ways to be in this world And if you listen to the reasoning, it will always sound, or most of the time, sound like it makes sense. But then stop and ask, what does it feel like to you? Do I feel better when I'm dressed in organic cotton? Do I feel better when I'm dressed fashionably? I actually feel better in athleisure, (laughs) you know, like just yoga plants. And if you can do that with everything that you're presented with, realize that, yes, there are so many options in every way to be, but be still for a minute and ask yourself, what am I feeling when I think about this? Am I lit up or am I I feeling pressured or obligated? And so I still do that to this day, trying to figure out where I'm going to go next. And what I used to view as freedom, meaning unlimited possibilities, I actually feel so much better when I limit my possibilities, when I create structure, whether that's in structuring out my day, even if there's nowhere to be outside of my home right now, or even something as different as not playing the victim in my own circumstances. 
there was a moment where I started to view my limitations as guideposts steering me in a new direction. I know if I wouldn't have gotten that felony, I probably would have just gotten a well-paying job and never created mind love and never been able to help hundreds of thousands of people. And so if you can view this limitation right here as, okay, this is a guidepost. Something is telling me to stop and tune inward. And how can you use this time to explore parts of yourself that have not been explored in a while? And so I still have my practice. I do meditate every morning. I've also been offering live meditations at 9am on Instagram. And I've been journaling morning pages every morning. But I've also just been playing and doing puzzles. I haven't done a puzzle in a really long time. They are riveting, by the way. (laughs) Get yourself a puzzle. (laughs) And so, yeah, just always asking, how is this guiding me? I may not have consciously chosen this as my human, but what if my soul did? What does that outcome look like for me? Yeah, I'm in full believing, (laughs) believing of that. I think argument a lot of people have is, well, then that negates our free will and it negates the ability to say that, you know, we're just in a constant evolution of manifestation. But I, I just have such a belief that we chose a lot of these experiences before we came, like we were just up there in consciousness or whatever resonates with you in terms of our energetic experience before coming here. And we're choosing what horrible, traumatic experiences happen to us as blessings to direct us into our greatness. And when you were explaining your story, I was like looking at how it was so intricately woven together to get you to what you're doing now, because I've heard your podcast and I see you speak and I see all the beauty in what you're doing. And I'm like the depth of compassion and love and understanding that you have for humanity could never have happened without that experience. And I think it's so important for us to empower people to use their traumatic, you know, and I'm not negating like anything anyone has been through. I've played the storyline of many of those movies before, and I understand from a compassionate place how hard it is. But if we can use them as an opportunity to shift out of the victim mentality into an empowered state of, okay, I get to use this as a leverage point, as as a momentum to build and grow and be something so much bigger than what I could have ever dreamed of. Like, I'm curious for you, like, did you know in your heart that you were going to like be impacting like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. Like, did you have that in you or was that something that you were just like, okay, now that I've moved through this, now I can step into that space of courage. Or was it something that you already always had like instilled in you? I had high expectations for myself. That's for sure. But what I found is that as life came down harder on me, Before I knew the tools to move through that and use it, it felt like I was being beaten down from my potential. And so I started to think, well, maybe everyone's right. Maybe life is just supposed to be hard. Like uh, suddenly you, you start resonating and you hear whatever you are currently believing, you will hear that reflected back to you in life. (laughs) The confirmation bias is very powerful. And it's funny that you will just not even hear about the law of attraction or about these higher truths when you're not in that place sometimes. (laughs) And so I, I remember just losing hope. And so then I figured, well, I'm just going to... Spiraling was easier than building for a long time. At least I thought it was. Looking back, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't easier at all. 
it was a situation where I didn't have to take responsibility for where I was at. And so, and I could blame all these external circumstances on how my life was now when that's only true. And I'm doing air quotes around true to a point. You don't know why things were dealt to you. And, and truth is it, it doesn't really matter, but going by the belief system that I'm cultivating now of stop looking at those past experiences as right or wrong, or if the, this didn't happen, guess what it did. And for all you know, that's exactly how it was supposed to go. So what's a more empowering way to look at it? Like this was meant to happen. And now I'm going to blossom from this. I'm going to allow my, maybe the needs and the desires that you denied yourself before you knew better to become your non-negotiables or your losses become your lessons and your sacrifices become your standards and your suffering. That is all your story. And so when you view it as something that you're building and growing, like you're tending to a garden and you can look at your own life that way, you're not going to get mad at a leaf for wilting. You're going to give it water. You're going to allow it to grow. And so now it's it's more about asking what I need, what's another layer I can peel back from this because I really find the self-exploration to be a lot of fun now that I realize that it can serve me. One of the most powerful quotes was that really shifted my life and the trajectory of taking responsibility was once you know better, be better. It's like once you have the awareness that you can have a different life, then we have to take the responsibility. Then there's no more blame because we know the experience in which we are continuing to operate from is our own self-sabotage. It's our own uh, manifestation of suffering. It's our own choice to continue to live in the spiral. And so once we know better, it's like then use that shift in awareness, then take the radical responsibility, then look back on your life. One of the most powerful things, I'm curious if you had any any moments like this where I looked back and I, I saw these moments in my life where I was drip fed. Like I stayed in a woman's home and she had the secret and not, not that I agree with everything that's on the movie, the secret, but it is, does radically shift a lot of people's lives. So it, she had it playing, you know, she had it in her home and I, and I watched it and then I was gifted, you know, these different books, sacred contracts and by Carolyn Miss and all these different experiences where I was like, I had all these opportune times to kind of wake up. And although they were shifting my consciousness to a place where I finally did, I'm like, wow, I had so many, so many moments of opportunity to make that shift. And yet my own ego, my own pain, my own suffering kept me pushing away the universe that was shining these lights on these opportune experiences that would have potentially shifted my life in that moment. And so that's where we get into like parallel lives and dimensions and things like that. But it's like a whole nother topic. But but I think we have these like moments in our life where we can move in a different direction if we choose to take that on. Right. I had a bunch of those. I remember it was really funny. So my parents got sucked into a multi-level marketing scheme, Amway back in the day. And I remember us going to like ice cream shops so they could prospect and like my stepdad's like trying to get people to join Amway. Humiliating. But the good thing that came out of that was the book club. So there were books by Zig Ziglar. There were books by there were so many good books that I read, like Think and Grow Rich and The Science of Getting Rich. And I made it my mission to read those books. 
And they did affect the way I thought. I remember even being in middle school and this is my memory of it. Who knows if this is how it actually happened, but a lot of my family members have asthma. And I remember running the mile and I was just like, I'm not going to have asthma anymore. Mind over matter. And I just stopped using my inhaler. My PE teacher was all upset about it because I was wheezing but I didn't have asthma the next year. So who knows what happened (laughs) there? So there were different shifts in thought and it was building belief system, but it was like I was always fighting my soul that was trying to sprout and life that was thundering down and not giving me enough sunlight. And so ironically though, that one terrible ex who either destroyed or rebirthed my life, (laughs) however you want to look at it, he gave me the book, The Mastery of Love. And part of it was kind of a mind warp because it was a reason that I let go of even more of the things he was putting me through because I was just like, oh, he's just so happy-go-lucky because he believes in in this stuff by Don Miguel Ruiz and it's changing the way I think too. And I want to like live up to this because I'm with him right now, not realizing that he was just so happy-go-lucky all the time because he was on meth. But (laughs) I noticed when he couldn't get the meth... But it was just so interesting how him giving me that book sealed in for me. I had this moment during a meditation like seven years ago where I still realized I was holding on to some regret from that. I'm like, what could I be without this? Like, what if this didn't happen? Did I really have to fall that hard for me to learn my lesson and turn my life around? But then I remembered him giving me this book and realizing that that was a huge part of my story. And so suddenly I had this full-blown acceptance that that, for whatever reason, was meant to happen. That whole thing was meant to happen for some reason. He gave me the seed that was planted, and then he also <laughs> like, allowed me or facilitated my rock bottom hitting so hard that there was nowhere to go but up. And so then after that, like I said, it was a series of a bunch of different things that was like, okay, this is the next layer. This is the next layer. And even going back and reading books I've read before and seeing it from a whole new lens, because I view it as I can't ask myself what would have happened if I turned my life around way back then, because that's just simply not how it happened. That wasn't my story that played out that way. And so instead, I try to seek reasons why did it have to happen the way that it did and uh, trust that it played out in the trajectory that was best for my highest purpose. Yeah, I think it's so powerful to say what is on the other side of this experience that could be so much bigger than myself. Like I can't even imagine where my life is going to be. Like it's so far beyond because I think people are in the stuckness and I can just hear people being like, oh, well, that's it's easy to see that when you're in the stuckness. But the opportunity that comes from just recognizing that two, three, four years down the road as you forgive and let go and hold gratitude. I think gratitude is one of the biggest things I've witnessed where when I read the book, Sacred Contracts, and from a spiritual perspective, recognizing that there's people in your life that you actually bring into your life to have these contracts with, to do something or to have an experience around to teach you a lesson. Then I went back through my life and I said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this to me when I I was in high school. Thank you for, you know, bullying me. Thank you for the pain you caused me in college. Thank you for cheating at me. Thank you for the, like all of the things 
were the blessings because I had chosen those experiences and that person was facilitating a lesson versus being a burden or a hardship or even causing me trauma, like just flipping the switch on the story. And I love how you've done that and offered that as an opportunity for so many women and men around the world who are who are really looking for I think reconciliation and they're looking for that apology and they're looking for that that time that that person's going to come and say they're sorry. And I just want to offer to the listeners, like you might not ever get that. I'm curious for you, did you ever get that from your ex? Did he ever reach out and apologize or has it just been a graceful process of knowing that it was a blessing on your side? It was a little bit of both. I mean, it was difficult because he didn't go straight to jail because of the grace that I offered him and uh, going down with him. He did continue to rob houses and a year and a half later was arrested for another string of robberies, but not after following me to LA, moving into a halfway house down the street from me, throwing a brick through my windshield, breaking into my house while I was sleeping. Like It was terrifying. I moved a couple of different times to get away from him, but I've never been able to hold on to anger. I've actually... That's been a big lesson for me. And I've had several friendships where I'd get completely burned and then they'd come back apologizing and I'd forgive them. And then I would just like let it go. I just have never held grudges. And I had to learn to consciously not hold a grudge, but to realize when to cut ties with people because it was going to be a never ending cycle. Well, with him, I remember he did call me from jail and I didn't answer all the time. But one time he called me from a burner phone and I ended up talking to him kind of like I normally do. Like I didn't even act that anything was wrong. I probably was a little bit bitter, but I was more curious, like how did his life play out? And it was all very odd, (laughs) the things he was able to tell me. But then he kept calling and I made the conscious decision that I don't really want anything to do with him anymore. I don't want that energy in my life. I got what I needed to from it. I got the growth and I don't need that in my life. And it was interesting because when I finally started sharing this story on a public setting, I've always been pretty open and just would like spew it out as shock factor with friends, (laughs) but I didn't really like share it in speeches or whatever until the last year and a half. And when I finally unpacked it, I remember there was so much healing and figuring out really why There's power in telling your story, figuring out how to tell it in story form, because you find lessons that you didn't, that you may have thought you got, but it's like this deeper through line that was able to kind of blossom open for me. But right after I was like, wow, I think I finally made it to the other side of this story. He got out of jail. He was in jail for seven years. Or he had 11 years with a minimum of seven. That time he was arrested. And all of a sudden, he tried to be my friend on Instagram and he sent me this long message. And if I read it, it sounds for people who didn't know him, it sounds like, you know, he's got in touch with something. He's like, it looks like you're helping a lot of people. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. But it was actually really hard to view it outside the lens of what I knew of him now. So I'm not sure if there's much benefit in that. It was almost like, it, this sounds like the crap that you spewed to me in our whole relationship. This doesn't even sound like you wrote it. I could also look at it from the viewpoint of, you know, he grew a lot And now he's able to speak in this way. But what I found is that doesn't really matter to me anymore. Like he's not part of my story going forward. And I just don't need it. What is somebody apologizing going to give to you? You need to know they changed so that you can change. That's giving all of your power to this person. What if your whole goal was to 
transform regardless of how they do. The interaction between two people, whether it's a good one or a bad one, offers healing and growth for both people. But it's up to the individuals to accept that and to figure out what to do with it. And so what he does with the growth from that experience is up to him now. I don't really want anything to do with it. And I feel the most empowered with that moving forward. Oh my gosh. I love that. I think it's so important because we feel such a responsibility at the core. And I don't know, I'm still trying to figure out culturally where this comes from, but the belief that we are responsible for pulling people up. And the way I have viewed it is, is exactly as you said, it's, it's that we can't actually bring people up until we work on ourselves first and until we move forward and by elevating ourselves or actually elevating the consciousness of the planet. But if we stay in the stuckness of come up with me and in the responsibility of someone else, I was actually yesterday did an Instagram live and I was sharing that during this time, we can encourage people and we can uplift them and we can inspire them to show up for the meditation, the yoga practice, virtually the zoom call where you know, we're, we're hosting for girlfriends and, but we're not responsible if they show up, we're not responsible for their actions at home. We're not responsible if they take care of themselves, we can inspire them. And that's all we can do from our place and not taking on that responsibility doesn't dim our light. It actually keeps our light shining in the, in the space of just witnessing that again, that you can only be responsible for yourself and I think that that's why you've grown so quickly. Specifically, I've you know I I remember when you were starting your podcast, and this was a little dream, and now it's so massive and so big and reaching so many people. I think it's because you're so conscious and careful of how you what I've witnessed and just reflecting back, like how you protect your energy and and use your time for offering these sacred gifts to the planet. And so I just want to acknowledge you for that because I've I've really enjoyed watching it. Thank you. You know, I have a theory about why culturally we do that also, or why we feel this responsibility. And for me, what kind of resonates with me is that I think we have a we have this desire to have our truth validated. And so for me, I, even looking back at arguments with friends or whatever, it bothers me because I'm like, well, how are they viewing this? Do they think I'm wrong in this? Because they need to know that I'm not. Or or if they apologize to me, then it's validating that I have a right to feel this way. But if you can get in touch with the idea that you have a right to feel this way regardless, and also consider that that there is not one truth with perception. You can have an experience while the other person has a completely different experience around that. And it doesn't matter if they coincide into one, because if you allow it to, you will each get exactly what you need from those differing experiences. And so if you just learn to turn inward and take more responsibility for how and why you are experiencing this and not mattering that everybody else falls onto your same realm of truth, you're going to be able to move beyond it faster because you're not anchored down by everyone else's beliefs. Oh my gosh. I love that. It was so beautifully articulated. I was having this conversation about community and how most people on the deep core of who they are, they want community. I think we all desire for that. I think it's been around for hundreds of years that we thrive in community. But the problem with right now is that there's so much comparison and judgment and shame, and there's not an underlying acceptance of friendship and family. And there's all of these, I'll love you if conditional experiences that are happening. And so if we go back to fundamental community and how it thrives, it's unconditional love 
and the acceptance of the people in the community because they hold the same values. And I think it's really important. Like you said, it's like not taking on that, that responsibility of other people for what our experience is, but still allowing people to be as they are, which is going to shift, I think, a lot right now, specifically as we recognize the value of connection, community, friendship, people coming together and how important it is during this time, I think we're going to also recognize the importance of the flip side of that, which is the grace, the forgiveness, the allowing people to be as they are, uniqueness, not wanting everyone to be exactly the same and loving people through whatever it is that they're experiencing. So, wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was amazing. Yeah, you're welcome. I just think that acceptance is expansion. The more people that you can fit if you have, feel like you have to expand your love to fit more people, like what downsides are to that? Rather than having somebody else shrink their truth to fit in your box of what you deem appropriate, if you shift the way you're looking at expecting somebody to even transform for you and, and you see it for what it is, it can offer a lot of truth and growth in itself. And if people are having a hard time, especially now, in a crisis, there's a lot of finger pointing and, and why aren't you handling it this way? And you should be inside and you should value hugging your loved ones more, whatever different people's experiences are. You can hold your truth and that's fine, but share it in love and just give people the benefit of the doubt. Trust in their journey in this lifetime and see how you can use this as growth to allow yourself to expand a little in order to allow your love to include them. There's really no downsides in, in expanding your love for other people. A hundred percent. And they need to hear that, I think, more and more right now. They need to be it and they need to hear it and they need to offer it and gift it out to the world. And that starts with us looking at ourselves. <laughs> that starts with us looking at our wounding patterns and why we're not able to. And I think this is such a time of awakening. And I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and just offering to the world. I know that your daily emails are supporting so many people in just being able to stay positive and uplifted during this time. I'm curious for the listeners where they could join that newsletter, where they can listen to your podcast, where they can get more of you, because I'm sure so many people are just going to want to continue to dive deeper on these really empowering and important topics for this time. Yes. So I have a daily email list called The Morning Mind Love. It's an email list specifically not to sell you anything. It's just allowing you to start each day with little reminders of your own beauty, worth, and power. And I'm doing something special right now and tailoring these messages to the things that lift our spirits during self-isolation and fear and uncertainty, as well as a link of positive news around the world. So people have been loving that. And you can sign up by texting the word MORNING to 33777 or you can just go to mindlove.com and sign up right on the homepage. My podcast is on any podcast platform that is your favorite. Just search Mind Love two words or go to mindlove.com. And lastly, I'm on Instagram doing daily meditations at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Just a short guided meditation to help us all get through this and uh, raise our consciousness a little bit. And that is at Mind Love Melissa. Awesome. Thank you, love, for being here. I'm deeply grateful for you and just how you show up in the world. I, I've been witnessing your desire to support the elderly right now and to drive around and make stops. And I've been doing the same. And so it's been beautiful, like pinging you in this and just, and just having someone else in it and like, and, and being like, what can we do? Where can we show up? What can we offer right now? 
and it's been really inspiring. You've inspired me to do more. So thank you so much. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so thankful that Melissa joined us today on this episode and shared with us the importance of positive thinking and most importantly, going within. I speak a lot about this, but she reminded us that by focusing inwardly, you can learn to detach from your thoughts and realize that even when these thoughts come up, you don't need to believe or react to them. Through this process of detachment, detaching from negative thoughts, it becomes easier to search for the positive aspects of your life and break unhealthy habits. Additionally, she reminded us that most people run at the first sign of discomfort. For this reason, I invite you to look at the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable emotional reactions and triggers as an opportunity for healing. When a feeling of anger, judgment, or grief shows up, it's generally an opportunity for you to gain patience, self-compassion, and clarity. Instead of avoiding uncomfortable situations, allow yourself to examine and sit and be with who you are. What beliefs are driving those emotions? What feelings are showing up for you in the moment? And then determine what's needed to create a positive and empowering shift. Thirdly, she reminded us that we are always capable of finding the answers within ourselves. My great teacher, Shandrash, always tells me to look down on my notes after our sessions together. Look at all you've gained from our session together, he says. There are infinite possibilities from the wisdom on these pages. There are millions of ways you can run with this. This is your story and your decision, and you get to decide what you call in. It is always up to you, and I will never take that away from you. If you've been wondering what and who will be the one coach program piece of advice that finally gets you the results you want, I leave you with the same thought. At your fingertips right now, you have access to millions of sources of knowledge, and there are infinite ways you can apply this information to your life. But the magic ingredient is always still you. You are the person that makes the choices, takes the action, and creates your reality. If you bought into the idea that you need anything more to be happy and healthy, I encourage you to meditate on the mindset shift today. I have everything I need to be happy, healthy, and create abundance in my life. I have everything I need to be happy, healthy, and create abundance in my life. So again, I trust that you will take what you learned today and apply it to your life wherever it will serve best for you. Thank you again for being here. It is an honor to share this time with you. You can always find me on the gram at Sarah Ann Stewart, and I would love to connect with you further. What questions do you have? How can I support you? And how can I support the work that you're doing in this world? Please, please, please connect with me and let me know how you're doing and what's going on in your world. Until next time, I'm sending you a massive virtual hug through the screen. I'm sending you so much love and I'm trusting that you will again take this knowledge and run with it this week to create a happier, healthier life for you, your family, and the world. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. 
you too can feel awesome from the inside out.